0: I want to introduce um, our guest preacher uh, this morning. Now, he's not really a guest for some of you. Um, Peter Labar has been working for InterVarsity staff, working with college students, doing discipleship um, for many years now. He was actually a student, uh, superstar student leader, back when Carissa and I were doing InterVarsity staff. And uh, so it wasn't surprising that he came on staff and that he's really continued To advance the mission there. Really love this guy. Another thing just to mention about Peter is actually he's in a position of national leadership in the Anglican Church for helping the Anglican Church figure out how to reach and disciple college students. So, so grateful to have him this morning. And As he comes up, just before he speaks to the children, I just want to say a prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for this man of God. I thank you for um, how I've seen you move in his life. And in his family. And Father, I thank you that he's coming to bring your word to us and to the children this morning. We pray for you to fill him with the Holy Spirit and give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wonderful.
1: Well, it's so fun uh, to be here, and it's especially fun to uh, have us all together with kids as well. And I was thinking back as I was preaching this sermon, or preparing for this sermon, I was thinking back to all my kids' stories and all the ways that my parents had encouraged me to follow Jesus. So it's fun to be up here and to have this experience together. So, are you ready, kids? Is everybody ready? Okay, good. Um, So our theme has been open hands, opening our hands to the Lord in order to give Him control. So we look at the prophets calling us to open our hands and say, whatever, Lord, it's fine. We give you control. We looked at John in in prison. He's a prisoner, and he sees Jesus uh, doing his thing, supposed to be the king, but John's still in prison, and he says, Jesus, are you really who you're supposed to be? (laughs) Are you the king? Because I'm still in prison, and I thought we were friends. What's going on? um can you think of a time where you've been thrown into a situation that wasn't exactly what you expected it to be can you think of a time where you were in a place and you said why do i have to do this why do i have to do this when was your last i didn't ask for this moment in your life I remember being a little kid driving to school, and my dad would say to me, Peter, today it's your job to love the kids in school who are lonely and don't have a lot of friends. And I would say, (laughs) really dad, do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to be in this situation? And I thought about my favorite Disney movie, of all time. Do you know what my favorite Disney movie of all time is? All right, let's get down to business. Okay, it's Mulan. Um, Yes, okay. So in Mulan, Mulan is this um, woman, this young Chinese woman, and she's minding her own business, and all of a sudden these big scary Huns come and they start attacking China. And so Mulan has to step into this position where her dad is unable to fight and she has to fight that bad guy. Isn't he scary? Woo! That's, that is, um, I forget his name now. Um, Sean Yu, Sean Yu. Oh my gosh, I had nightmares about Sean Yu. So long, I don't know why I was allowed to watch Mulan. Um, But you should watch it, it was great. Um, So here she is. She decides, as a woman, to disguise herself as a guy, take up the responsibility of her family, and fight for her country and for her father. She's thrown into this situation that she wasn't asking for, but she says, yes. She says, yes. And the Bible is full of stories who are, of people who are thrown into situations that they never asked for. And they say yes to huge responsibilities that God invites them into. So think about Abraham, who's asked to leave his country, and Sarah, who's asked to leave his country with Abraham, when Abraham isn't always behaving the best way. Think about Moses, who's asked to lead these people when he doesn't want to. David, when he's picked out of all these people to be king when he's the smallest. Think about Ruth, and think about Isaiah. But today we're gonna look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she's thrown into this incredibly difficult and hard situation. How is Mary going to respond? Now look at this picture of Mulan. Oh, nope, not that one, Um, that's not Mary. Um, Look at this picture of Mulan. She gets to fight this bad guy, and Mary is thrown into this situation where she's on the front lines of a huge fight. She's thrust into a huge, scary story, filled with all sorts of people who come against her almost right away. And she feels like Mulan does there about all these people who are coming after her. But actually, we're going to see Mary respond in a surprising way. How is Mary going to respond? Is she going to run away? Will she take matters into her own hands, or will she have open hands and decide to trust? How's Mary going to respond? We can go to a blank slide for now. So we're gonna look at the life of Mary. We're going to look um, at the cool parts about Mary, the cool things that she got invited into, but we're also gonna look at the scary things that Mary was invited into, Mary was thrown into, In this morning's gospel, we read the story where Mary gets the good news about God choosing her and what God has plans for her. And just before the story that we read today, we see someone else getting good news. We see this priest, Zachariah, who gets this good news um, from God that his wife, his barren wife, She's too old to have a baby, is actually going to have a baby, and she's going, and she's going to bear John the Baptist, who's going to be the messenger. He was the guy that we heard about yesterday in the sermon. And we'll talk a little bit about how Zechariah <coughs> responds later. But Zechariah is in the temple, the most important place in Jerusalem. He's in the uh, most important city, and everybody is outside praying with this angel when this angel says, Zachariah, your barren wife is going to bear John the Baptist. And it's this very important thing, and is very scared. And then right after Zachariah gets that news, we start to sense that we're going to find out something else important that's going to happen. And who do we find after this very important priest in this very important city, in this very important place, in this very important city, the most holy place? Where's the next scene that we go to? Do we find a powerful king, kids? No. No. Do we find a warrior fighting a battle? No. We find a teenage girl. In this way out country. And she's just minding her own business. And all of a sudden, the angel comes to Mary and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And, she shall, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and called Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Wow, that's amazing. This king is going to come through this unlikely woman. That's so cool, and she's going to conceive. She's going to have this baby. He's going to be a king forever, and his kingdom is never going to end. Amazing, and this woman is chosen to bear this baby. Unbelievable. But but, while this is wonderful, just like Mulan getting to go on this adventure, it's also very hard and terrifying. Mary is thrown into this incredibly difficult situation. This is how God acts with his chosen ones. Throughout history, God has put people in situations that are so, so hard, so, so difficult, and in a place where they're utterly dependent on God in order for him to rescue him. So if we look at how God talks about his people in Deuteronomy, he says that he stirred up Israel— like a little baby bird who couldn't yet fly and threw them out of the nest so that they could learn to fly. That's what God says, that's how God says he treats his people. Isn't that amazing? That doesn't sound quite nice. If you weren't able to fly, would you like somebody kicking you out of a nest? (laughs) I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't either. Yeah, don't kick me out of a nest, please. But that's how God... Teaches his children to walk with them. He throws them out of the nest and they start flapping and they start falling. And then God says, What? His pinions come underneath his babies and he catches them. And that's how they learn to fly. Isn't that crazy? If I were a mama bird, I would take them on the ground first. You know, maybe jump off a small little rock and see how that goes. But when, no, but that's exactly right. When God teaches them to fly, what does he do? He just kicks them out of the nest. And Mary is getting thrown out of the nest this morning. She is being thrown into this incredibly difficult situation. It's wonderful news, but she is entering an incredibly difficult life. If you think about, just in the short term, what are people gonna say about Mary? She doesn't have a husband, but she's gonna have a baby? How's that gonna work? But that isn't right, that's exactly right. And that's what everybody else is going to think. That's not right. No, kids, you're welcome to participate. <laughs> um, so, so that's the Mary that, that's the situation that Mary's thrown into, but if we look at what's coming for Mary, it's still very scary. Not only is she facing these social pressures that are coming against her, but for the rest of her life, she's going to have to run from Herod who hears about this king being born and decides that he wants to track this baby down and do away with him. That's the start of her life with Jesus. And then she'll have to watch her son be villainized, misunderstood, wrongly accused, wrongly tried, subjected to Roman military brutality, and executed under false charges. Mary's facing a push out of the nest here that's really scary. So how is she going to respond to this? How is Mary going to react to this? We get this picture in Revelation of what Mary's about to face that is profound. Now let's look at this story. In Revelation, or look at this picture. Look at this picture. Okay, so this is John the Baptist. He's in the corner right there. What's that red thing right there, kids? It's a dragon right? And who's that lady in white? Mary, right? This, when John the Baptist talks about what's going on in this story, he tells us later what it means. This is the picture that we get, and it's kind of a dual picture. A, A more Catholic view would be that this is the picture of Mary. A more Protestant view would be that this is the picture of the church. And since we're Anglican, we're like, it's Paul. Um, So uh, (laughs) um, so I I really think when prophets give us visions, they mean multiple things. So um, I think this is a picture of both Mary and the early church. But what what do we see that's going on here? Um, When Mary conceives this baby, in this story in Revelation that we read earlier, we see that As soon as she has this baby, even before she has this baby, there's this big old dragon, who we find out is Satan, who's waiting to devour Mary's baby, Jesus. Right when we get into this scene, we see that all these forces are coming against Mary. And what happens when Mary has that baby? There's Herod ready to take Mary's baby and so we see in Revelation the story that we have in Revelation is that um, the woman is taken into the wilderness to get away from the fight but the dragon chases the woman into the wilderness and uh, God prevents the dragon from getting into the woman getting to the woman but um, look at this story that Mary is thrust into right from the back, right when God calls her, she's Thrown, tossed out of the nest into this life of incredible difficulty. There's a dragon waiting for Mary. This is also a picture of the early church as well. As soon as the gospel starts to go forward, the persecution comes. And John is writing to an early church that is being sacked by both Rome and the Judaizers from within and from without. The church immediately is facing difficulty. So we see that when God calls us into wonderful things, it's also usually really hard and difficult. Often really hard and difficult. And Mary has this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful privilege of being able to bear the son of God. But immediately, she faces the dragon. There's Herod. There's a whole life of the enemy coming against her and her son. So how does Mary respond when she gets this news? How does she respond? Incredibly, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary decides to respond with trust. She responds with belief and not disbelief. So when God calls us to say yes, I think our response needs to be flapping. (laughs) But we're going to flap no matter what. So the question is, what kind of face are we going to have when we start falling? <laughs> right? Are we going to um, flap with a smile on our face, or are we going to flap with an attitude?
0: What?
1: With a smile on our face, <laughs> right? What will our flap offering look like? Not a clap offering, but a flap offering. What, is it, what will our flap offering look like? That's actually hard to say. Um <laughs> I want to flap with a smile on my face, knowing that even though everything is going absolutely crazy, I know that Jesus is going to swoop under and catch me. So I can have the same reaction that Mary does. Even though I'm facing being socially outcast, even though kingdoms are going to be coming for the life of my son, I am going to face this situation with open hands and flap with a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. I know dad is going to swoop under and catch me. When you get thrown into a situation that's really scary and that you don't wanna be in, you have two choices. You have two choices. You can flap with a smile on your face or you can flap with worry and anxiety. So let me ask, what part of your life right now feels like free fall? Where is there free fall in your life? Kids and adults. What ways do you feel kicked out of the nest by God? These can be little moments or these can be seasons. So I'm going to end with a couple little free fall stories of us having to trust in the Lord. And the first one is a story of my mom. She was on a plane once, and she really felt like God was saying, talk to this person about Jesus. And she was like, nope, nope, I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk about Jesus. And she felt like the Lord was saying, talk to this person about Jesus. And she said, nope, 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 I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk to this person about Jesus. And this guy was, like, ready to talk. If you're ever on an airplane, sometimes it can be fun to talk to people. Sometimes it's not fun to talk to people. Usually it's not fun for me to talk to strangers. And so my mom knew that this guy wanted to have a conversation, but she had just spoken, and she didn't want to talk to this person about Jesus, even though this guy was, like, looking for a chance to talk on the airplane. And finally, the stewardess come. When you're on a plane, you know, they bring the drink cart down and she was on the aisle, and the guy was farther in, and the guy ordered a drink, and my mom uh, ordered a drink as well, and he ordered orange juice, and when my mom went to reach up for her drink, he knocked the drink out of uh, my mom's uh, hand and all over my mom. (laughs) She's covered in this guy's orange juice. And they had this conversation because of it, because she's completely soaked in orange juice now, And she can't not talk to the guy. And they get to talking, and they get to talking, and they actually start talking about Jesus. And uh, my mom points him to some books um, that are answering the questions that he has about Jesus. And she writes my mom later. He, he, thank you. He writes my mom later and uh, writes a note saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. And in the letter, she says, he says, I don't know why I'm having trouble. Um, (laughs) He says, um, I don't know if this ever would have happened if I hadn't spilled my orange juice on you. (laughs) Because my mom got this guy's orange juice all over her and was thrown into this conversation, this guy heard the message. And my mom says, it was like God was standing over me with a cup of orange juice saying, honey, you can do this dry or you
0: can do this wet.
1: But you're gonna have this conversation. And we can flap with a smile on or we can flap with a bad attitude, but God's gonna kick us out of the nest. It's gonna happen. We're going to be so much happier if we just trust that somehow, someway, the Lord is going to swoop under us. And even though there's a dragon, God is going to rescue us. One more story. When I was a kid, there was this guy in uh, my neighborhood who drove me crazy.
0: Like
1: a kid? Yeah, it was a little guy. I was a little guy. Um, we were about. Uh, four years old when we met. And he was just a couple streets down. And I drove him crazy, too. So he would copy me all the time. And I'd be like, stop copying me! And he'd be like, stop copying me. And And I would run into my mom's kitchen whenever we were having lunch together, and I would whisper what I wanted for lunch. Because I didn't want him to know, because he'd copy me. (laughs) But I wasn't really nice to him, either. It's... Just to be fair. So I would like make him do all these things that he didn't want to do. So I'd want to play all these long, boring games that he just thought were so boring. And he also didn't like creepy crawly things. And I love creepy crawly things. Like I love snakes and lizards and all stuff. So I'd chase him around the yard with lizards. And he'd be like, no! We just got on each other's nerves. But I knew that this person was put in my life for a reason, because my parents were encouraging me, Peter, you have to love your friend. You have to love your friend. And I was like, no, why do I want, I don't want to love my friend. And more than that, my parents were encouraging me to witness to my friend, to tell my friend about Jesus, and to bring him around my other Christian friends. And I really didn't want to. Because he just, we just bugged each other. I didn't want to bring him into my church life too. He'd just stay in my neighborhood. Don't get to know my church friends. I just want to keep us separate. And so I yielded. I didn't have a good attitude. But I brought him to church. And he started as an acolyte. And we started acolyting together. And his parents who didn't know Jesus started coming to church. Because he was an acolyte. And then my friend decided to follow Jesus. And his parents took notice. And several years later, they started to follow Jesus. And the whole family came to faith because I got kicked into a situation that I didn't want to be in. And even though that I had a bad attitude like Zachariah, God turned it around. But I wish I could have gone back to myself when I was a little kid and said, hey, this is going to be great. (laughs) Smile. (laughs) Trust me. And actually, that story has helped me remember that when I find myself in situations that I feel thrown into and that I don't want to be in, I can remember the Lord's faithfulness to take those moments and turn them into incredible, incredible testimonies of his faithfulness that means. So, what areas of your life feel like free fall? What areas of your life feel out of control? What friend do you have that you're called it to love, or what way do you feel like God is calling you to trust? Will you be like Zachariah? Zachariah, I just, God saying to my mom, you can do this wet or you can do this dry. And God saying to Zachariah, you can do this mute or you can do this talking. You know? <laughs> will we, will we fight to have the response that Mary did and say, my soul magnifies the Lord. Even though there are all these dragons, I count it a privilege because you're the kind of God who comes when I'm falling and actually teaches me to live by putting me in hard situations and then catching me with your wings. Will we remember Mary's story and fight to trust and flap while we're smiling? Amen. Amen. Amen.